This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now, join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello, everyone, and again, welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, your host and the head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations. In case you're a first-time listener, please remember that every Ringler Radio show can be downloaded directly from our website, ringlerassociates.com, or from the Legal Talk Network at legaltalknetwork.com. And feel free to log on and look over the wide variety of subjects we've covered uh, over this last year. It's uh, it's amazing when we when we look back. Uh, my guest uh, host uh, today, Joan Pagnano, and I have been in this business for quite a while. And Joan, all the subjects that we've covered in, in Ringler Radio, none of these subjects were even around when we started. When we started, well, right? that's because we're not going to tell them how long ago <laughs> that was, that's, but that's correct. Exactly. A lot of them were not out there. Well, let me introduce my co-host, uh, Joan Pagnano, who's head of uh, the Braintree, Massachusetts Ringler office. Joan's, uh, as I said, she's had what twenty-five years or so of, uh, of experience in the structured settlement field, and she began her career right here in Boston. Uh, she negotiates cases and uh, provides structured settlement support services all over New England and really around the country for clients that uh, use her services. And our special guest today is uh, well-known here in uh, the state of Massachusetts. He's Bob Flynn from the Flynn Law Firm, PC, in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Uh, Bob Flynn specializes in personal injury, wrongful death, spinal injury, auto accidents, and injuries. The Flynn Law Firm has over 30 years' experience representing accident victims as well as insurers, insureds, and others here throughout Massachusetts. Uh, Attorney Flynn's firm is actively involved in ADR, arbitration and mediation, and uh, he provides, you know, this kind of neutral services to a lot of businesses in the state. Bob, welcome to Ringler Radio. Hey, uh, thank you very much, Larry. Hi, Joan. Hi, Bob. How are you? And, good. It's and a pleasure Bob, to it's, be here. It's good to uh, talk to you, uh, Bob. Uh, Used to do a lot of work with uh, in the structured settlement field, and we're going to talk about that uh, a little later in the show. But Bob, tell us as we begin. Tell us about your law firm, and what are some of the things you you really feel that you're specialized uh, in? Well, we are focused uh, these days on representing the uh, the interests of people seriously injured through the wrongful acts of other parties. Uh, those kinds of situations could be product liability cases, automobile cases. Uh, some kinds of cases where people really have been hurt, a construction accident, uh, things of that nature. We also focus on employment cases. Uh, whistleblower cases are kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I actually serve as a neutral uh, in uh, alternative dispute resolution, ADR, on a pretty regular basis. So, Bob, um let me ask you then, if you're actively involved in alternative dispute resolution, can you give us an example of the types of cases that you deal with that can be uh, resolved through arbitration or mediation? Yeah, pro- probably uh, any, of, a- any of the cases in the Superior Court are really prime candidates for that. There's a whole separate bar and ADR group that services the probate or family courts. 
But any accident case, any breach of contract case, any employment case, those are all cases where um, ADR is really very appropriate um, for a whole number of reasons. You, you know, you know, ADR is is somewhat of a broad concept because it encompasses several different aspects. Uh, let's let's start off now talking about something specific. Let's talk about arbitration. I know there are other other types of ADR. But let's talk about some of the details on what goes on in a typical arbitration hearing, uh, Bob, as opposed to, let's say, a mediation or some other type of hearing. Okay, sure. It, it's probably a good idea to define a couple things, mm-hmm. one being mediation. Me- mediation is the process where, by all parties to a lawsuit, voluntarily uh, uh, retain a neutral, a third person who has no interest in the outcome of the case, almost always a, a lawyer experienced in that field, could be a former judge experienced in, in, in tort work. Uh, and they, uh, over the process of uh, a morning, a day, uh, go back and forth, uh, doing their best to narrow their differences and settle their case themselves. That's purely voluntary. Uh, the outcome, whether or not it settles, is purely voluntary. An arbitration, on the other hand, is uh, 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 substituting an individual arbitrator, much like in baseball arbitration, for what a court would otherwise do. You eliminate the judge, the jury, uh, and really one person, an arbitrator, is uh, given those, those duties by the parties voluntarily. But the outcome of an arbitration by statute is... Uh, enforceable and final. It's not a matter of um, agreement. Well, you know, you often hear the terms binding and non-binding arbitration. How, how does that enter into what you do? Well, actually, bind, binding arbitration is, I'm sure, 90% of all arbitrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there is a federal statute. There's a Massachusetts statute. Most of the states have some form of arbitration statute that sets up the uh, procedures and parameters for what uh, an arbitrator can and cannot do. But most often parties are presenting their case to that arbitrator to put an end to it. Uh, They want a result that's quick and final and no appeal. Uh, Non-binding, on the other hand, is is probably doesn't really exist. It's kind of an advisory opinion. Kind of thing. So, so you, do you specifically you, Bob? Do you act as a binding arbitrator in cases today for uh, some of the clients you, you're dealing with? Yes. Okay. And, and in that, in that, you, you're taking on that role of, let's say, the judge and the jury. Uh, tell us about that. I mean, it must be quite. It's, it's quite a responsibility. Well, t- tell us how you deal with that. Well, it actually it is very uh, very hard because frequently you may know one or two of the lawyers from. Uh, practicing uh, with them, but uh, it, it's amazing. You you really can't step back and and uh, analyze the evidence, uh, and you listen. The procedure uh, essentially is much like a court, but it's not a courtroom. It's a law firm conference room, and uh, each party makes an opening statement. Uh, there's some paperwork. Uh, the arbitrator sits at the head of the table. There's examination of witnesses, cross examination. But what, it happens very quickly, and there's um, 
a finality to it. It doesn't linger for two or three years. It may go for two or three weeks. Interesting. And and, and unlike unlike let's say mediation, the arbitration seems to be a more formal procedure. Is that right? It is actually. Um, it's less formal than courtroom, certainly, but it, it is formal in the sense that there are witnesses who have to be sworn in uh, under oath. Uh, questions have to conform to the rules of evidence, uh, although there's more liberality to it. Um, uh, you know, a, a little variant on arbitrations, and this is another reason why they're more and more popular. People can do what's known as a high-low arbitration. Mm-hmm. And uh, that caps damages uh, at a high number, whatever that number is they agree on, and guarantees uh, a minimum. So should the arbitrator find against a, a plaintiff, there's a minimum amount that that plaintiff would uh, would achieve, uh, receive. Yeah, that's similar to the high lows that people do in a, in a typical court case where they yeah, might that, do yep, that. Yeah. Yep, that can be done there, too. Interesting. Yeah. It, it, the, the common thread running through all of it is um, bring closure to the case as quickly as possible. And also have trust in the arbitrator. <laughs> you really do. Yeah, well, you really do have to have do. great faith in the arbitrator. Picking the arbitrator is the most important part, probably. I can imagine. Uh, Bob, let me just ask you, though, with regard to mediation as opposed to arbitration. With mediation, you know, it's more face-to-face. And what we're wondering is, with such an informal approach, does mediation harken back to the old days of just solving disputes? You know, um, I, I used to, um, in my, my prior life, when I knew Larry quite, <laughs> quite well, and I saw a lot of Larry at, in mediations. I wore a black hat as a defense lawyer, and uh, I, um, I used to say, jokingly, that the best ADR that I know is call in a jury. And and that that actually is far too cavalier these days. You know, the numbers are far too big, and it is too cavalier. But people used to settle and negotiate, but they didn't use a third party, a neutral. But you could call the insurance company. You could talk to the other lawyer. Um, uh, you met everybody uh, around the city blocks where the lawyers were located. Uh, but mediation is different than those old-fashioned ways because there is a neutral. And uh, back then, except for conciliations every now in a courthouse, um, there was no procedure set forth. Well, you know what? You know what's funny, Bob. But what I found, and and again, we do go back quite a ways. But you know, back in the in the days when before before mediation, you know, we would sit yep. back as claim people and lawyers and and sit down and discuss cases, and we didn't need that. Let's say that intermediary. Right. But, but the fact that the mediations became more popular, companies grew up, a cottage industry grew up around it. Uh, all of a sudden, it took on a life of its own. But the one benefit. You know, and I'm sure there are many, and we we all know they are there are. But the one benefit that we find in mediation is that you get the actual claimant, the the, the injured party, is sitting at the table, hearing, you know, not only what their lawyer has been telling them all, that, all all along, but the other side's story as well, to perhaps bring some, uh, you know, maybe some balance to the stories that, that are being told about the case itself. How, how, how do you how do you feel about that aspect of it? That, that's abs- absolutely true. Uh, I, um, a mediation is really just about the only time short of cross-examination uh, 
when one lawyer can speak directly to the other side, when the defense lawyer can speak directly across the table to the plaintiff himself. And uh, a, a lot of plaintiff lawyers like that opportunity. They, they like uh, having somebody else uh, reinforce what they've been telling perhaps a client who's got bigger dreams uh, for the case than it might warrant, mm-hmm. or uh, who may not quite have a complete understanding of the, of the the dangers out there if you keep going forward or the costs. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is. It's, uh, it, it's great to have the plaintiff there, have the defendant or the claims rep there, and... Uh, and, and everybody gets to eyeball everybody, see if they'd be a good witness or not, you know, things of that nature. You know, and I also, I've talked to many mediators who say that uh, oftentimes plaintiff attorneys love the fact that the mediator can actually provide another voice to take the expectation of a plaintiff down to a more realistic level. Exactly. That's, a, a, that's kind of what I was trying to say, and that's a, very well put. And the other thing you can really do at a mediation, because the parties are all there and they're all focused, it's a great time, a great opportunity for structured settlement discussions. Well, you know, I, I like the sound of that. <laughs> it is I, true. Absolutely. We know we're going to talk a little bit more about that after the break uh, because I know you've had a lot of experience in doing that and you've had some, some thoughts about the protective nature of structures for your clients. But let's before we do that, let's talk a little bit more about this, you know, what I call court-ordered mediation. Some states won't allow you to come to the court unless you've had a mediation session, and sometimes it's done by court-appointed mediators. Or, But aren't you finding more and more, uh, even in other jurisdictions where you may hear or, or talk to uh, other other attorneys around the country, that's that's getting a, a resurgence, isn't it, this court-ordered court mediation? Well, it, it, it definitely, there definitely is a trend towards requiring mediation. Mm-hmm. The problem with that, however, is, Mediation to be successful has to be a completely voluntary and uh, nearly enthusiastic practice by all parties to a case. Uh, you, there's no way you can force a defendant to reach into his its pocket and pay money, or even to listen to the mediator or the other side if their frame of mind or investigation is not ready. And similarly, the same is true with the plaintiff who. Uh, might have a serious injury situation, uh, thin liability, but he doesn't know that yet. Um, so forcing, I know that's done with some frequency in, in different places. Maybe the better approach is our federal court where it's a matter that really has to be discussed and you have to certify to the federal judge early in the case that Mediation has been discussed in detail. Yeah, I've seen. Uh, I've, I've actually participated in some of these federal court court uh, mediations with the magistrates. Oh, but, they're uh, fabulous. Yeah, they're by terrific. the way. So, yeah, a lot of you know. And again, you know, it's like everything else in life, Bob. Uh, you, you, it's the individual that makes the difference, right? You know, right. Bob, let me just ask you this then: um, Do you find that either arbitration or mediation is more effective than the other when settling the disputes outside of the court? Well, uh, excuse me. Every case really has its own chemistry. Uh, uh, an arbitration is really kind of a good forum to go to, um, not to settle or resolve a case, but to. Um, bring bring closure 
um, on a, a quicker basis. Frequently, if an insurer has underestimated the liability it faced, uh, and it comes up kind of towards the, the end, and they're a little afraid of a jury, um, the whole subject of a high-low arbitration does come up, and that has benefits for the plaintiff as well as that insurer. Um, basically, an arbitrator can make decisions that perhaps uh, an adjuster or a company can't actually make. They may have may not have reserved the case properly, for example. You know, but now mediation really is, uh, as I mentioned, uh, requires a commitment by both or all sides to try to resolve the matter. Um, somebody's going to decide that case, a judge and jury or an arbitrator or the parties at a mediation. Interesting. But, yeah. Well, let me let me just uh, talk briefly about this before we take a break. Talk about the mediation process. Oftentimes, some some people say let's let's do a two day mediation, or let's do an extended mediation. You know what I find though, and I think Joan and I have talked about this in the past that when you go to mediation, you're nothing seems to get done until the end of the day. In other words, right. you, when you have that time limit on a mediation, it's really helpful right. because it galvanizes the activity and the action. And uh, when when parties are kind of committed to that time frame, don't you feel that things really get done? It's really when there's a deadline. Yeah, deadline, that, exactly. Right. Uh, either that or a um, a sharply drawn line, and then you find out, I suppose, uh, if if anybody is willing to cross it. But but planning on a two-day mediation is fine. Planning on a morning mediation that ends up going two days is probably better. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, no question. Um, you you know I I actually as as a lawyer representing a whistleblower went to a mediation. The case had a zero offer, and uh, the matter was very close to going to trial as an arbitration. And both sides decided let's have one one attempt at a, at, at a mediation. See if we can't do this as a group. And we started at 10 in the morning, and 1 a.m. the next morning, we were inking the release agreement. But it was not intended to go to, I've never done that before, I've never heard of it happening outside of labor disputes. Well, you know, it's, inter- it's interesting, Bob, uh, you know, in our in our business, the structured settlement business, we travel a lot to different jurisdictions, and you know, I know Joan's been part of this as well. I've been involved in many mediations in Texas, for example, that start at nine in the morning and end it after midnight. It's there's yeah. a culture in, in certain areas where yeah, we're, not here, yeah, yeah, not here, but there's certain cultures uh, in the mediation arena and certain certain jurisdictions that just play into that. But I have I have one client who says uh, the mediation never ends until lunch is served. <laughs> uh, well, you know that's that's the problem, you know, with some places that, I mean, I don't want to leave. You know, they've served great muffins. <laughs> I know. You know. I know. You know what? We're we're all we're all the same. Well, let's take a short break right now, and then when we return, let's uh, we'll talk about maybe a specific arbitration or mediation that Bob has had that uh, would be interesting for all of our listeners, and we'll talk a little bit about structured settlements and how they uh, have really uh, influenced some of the work that Bob has done. Okay, we'll be right back. 
This is Ringler Radio, internet radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. We invite you to listen to our other shows on the Legal Talk Network and become a member. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know that Legal Talk Network shows are also available as CLE? Including Ringler Radio. Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's CLECenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and I'd like to welcome back my colleague, Joan Pagnano, from the Braintree, Massachusetts Ringler office, and our special guest today, attorney Bob Flynn from the Flynn Law Firm in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Bob, you know, I'm, you've handled a lot of these cases through ADR, arbitration, and mediation uh, over the years. You know, our, I think our audience would like to hear something a little more specific. Is there a case or two that stands out in your mind, something that that would be helpful for our audience to get a flavor of, of how it all works? Well, uh, sh- sure. Uh, mediation uh, versus uh, arbitration, in, in a sense. Um, war stories are always helpful for the lawyers. No, I think they're helpful for everybody because, yeah. you, know, it, you know, it's it's abstract to the concrete. I think it's very helpful. Well, we, we um, over in the past year, uh, mediated a case that involved uh, family members uh, suing other family members after the death of a particular spouse where the families were very interrelated um, business-wise as well as uh, in a familial sense, and they, they were messed up joint ownerships of a restaurant and real estate and things of that nature. Uh, and, and there were some odd questions uh, about uh, whether somebody was in a safe, safe deposit box that shouldn't have been and a lot of messy and emotional stuff. Yeah, the worst that, kind. That would be a complete disaster in a courtroom. Uh, would be almost impossible to try, but was a perf- perfect resolution uh, at a mediation with a good, competent mediator who uh, could listen and uh, kind of guide people towards where they were already going, even though they may not have known it. And that whistleblower case I mentioned uh, was a, a perfect uh, case for mediation. The defendant really did not want any of this stuff out in the press. That's why it was going to be arbitrated. So it was already out of a courtroom. But taking a step further, they really did want to, as it turned out, try to achieve closure and get rid of the whistleblower. Um, and uh, the whistleblower really wanted to make his point, which he already had, and um, 
and move on and bring closure to it. But it took a good, again, a skilled mediator to bring the parties uh, together. Uh, we had uh, a, a, another matter uh, involving a lawyer who mistakenly missed the statute of limitations on the death case. Um, and uh, that was a, a matter that went to mediation, and it was certainly good for him, and it was certainly good for the client uh, to bring quick closure to it. Um, but not all these, I would assume, not all the mediations and arbitrations are success stories. I mean, the, the, some of them fall apart, I, I would imagine. Some don't. Well, you know, it's it's funny. I I, uh, I, I tried this. Everybody has a few things that gnaw at them. And uh, I remember trying about almost 10 years ago an arbitration involving a brain-damaged child. And uh, I was very disappointed in the outcome. I Still can't figure it out. Um, we tried it for well over a little over a week in front of a very good person, a good arbitrator, who, who however, for some reason, rejected my three experts, uh, who all said uh, the substance we were talking about caused the brain injury, uh, and uh, accepted uh, the defense, who had three experts, each of who had a different cause for the injury. Uh, and each of whom admitted and agreed that uh, what we said could be a competent-producing cause of the injury. So it was a very unexpected and disappointing loss. The only benefit really was closure did happen, and the client wasn't put to a, a much, uh, you know, much more extraordinary expense of going forward in the courtroom. Yeah, exactly. So there was so uh, there's always a, a plus or the so-called silver lining, even when things are. Are not necessarily right. coming out the way you want them right. to. Right, that was kind of a, a harsh silver lining, but yeah. But it was silver nonetheless. It was. It was. <laughs> yep. Bob, you know we're going to just uh, switch direction a little bit here and ask you if you can describe the litigation process for us. And uh, one particular issue there would be: is the first order of business to find a good attorney? I, I don't know how people find a good lawyer. Um, because uh, the common thing to say is, well, ask around and check with your friends, and I, I guess that's still the best thing to do, but that provides an anecdotal introduction kind of to to uh, a lawyer who may or may not be particularly good. It, it is important to end up on a serious case with a lawyer who is um, skilled in, in, in uh, experienced in handling those kinds of cases, it does make a difference. You know, I've always said that, uh, you know, lawyers do make a big difference. There's, you know, if you're picking and choosing not only a plaintiff lawyer but the right defense lawyer, uh, I'm sure when you come up as a plaintiff lawyer against certain defense lawyers, uh, it makes a difference in the way you uh, view your case. It does. It absolutely does. Sometimes. And, and I know I know when you were the defense lawyer, certain plaintiff lawyers had it, you'd, uh, you know, you'd, you'd hitch up your pants a little bit tighter, right? I right. Mean, it's, it's not quite work harder, but you you definitely open more doors and look behind them, you know. Exactly. Well, you know, in the closing minutes here, I want to talk to you a little bit about your experience with structured settlements. Uh, you know, I, I know we've had cases along the way that uh, where, where your clients, uh, from the plaintiff's standpoint, have taken structured settlements. I know from when you were a defense lawyer, you were advocating for structured settlements. Talk about it more from the plaintiff's perspective, uh, some of the clients you've had. Uh, what's been your experience of those who have, taken advantage of a structured settlement uh, that was offered 
and those who you know turned it down and took the cash. What what what's, what have you found in your uh, experience? I, obviously, the the big plus to a structured settlement is you're absolutely guaranteed your cash, uh, and it would usually, depending on the nature of the structure, uh, reflect uh, entirely to some extent what 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 the likely inflation factor would be. So somebody has a sense of security for the rest of their their life with regard to their award. Um, that's in contrast to to giving the cash, the present value of that settlement, to someone. Uh, uh, typically what lawyers will do as an alternative to a structured settlement is try to set up a trust to protect the money. Um, I, I actually, I know you know about this situation. Uh, I think, I think, I think Joan, Joan was speaking of yeah. this a little earlier. I, I, I know I had a very large award for a client and a, as a result of a medical malpractice case, and we uh, set up a trust. Uh, a, a certain a lawyer was appointed as a trustee, and, uh, uh, it, well, he was entrusted with $500,000, which was a, a big part of the, the uh, settlement. And uh, two years later, there was $300 in the till, and he, he's off serving time somewhere. Now, Bob, let me ask you this. Was there a structure often in that case initially, and the client did not want to pursue that, and you opted for the trust? Actually, uh, the discussion was, um, the, the discussion did include uh, a structure, and he, he did not want that. Um, and actually, I insisted on there being um, guidance and uh, protection, and I remember bringing in, um, uh, you know, we want. I wanted a professional trustee, you know, like uh, one of the banks. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we interviewed uh, in investment uh, people to give guidance to that, and uh, somehow the client chose to go the direction the client went, and you know. You know, bad things can happen. You know, you know that's a very you're raising a very interesting point. It's it's what role does the plaintiff attorney have in directing their client into making sound decisions? You know, once the money is about to come th- come through, and and many lawyers now are actually getting their clients to sign off on a piece of paper saying that they've understood that they've been offered a structure, and if they turn it down, they understand the implications of some of that. So that really protecting the plaintiff attorney from having them come back later and say you didn't really explain it fully. Yeah, actually, that's that's a good idea. The, the stru- structures do provide that security. They, they, they absolutely do, and um, if you're patient. On the other hand, I, I do know I, you, you have to caution people about this. I, I had an award for a policeman uh, very substantial award uh, that was put in a structured settlement, and uh, he, he ended up selling it. Yes, you, yes, I understand. You that, can that imagine a, the yeah. problems he has now. Yeah, that's a. You know what? It, 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 what he did is postpone what he was originally going to do in the first place. He probably that's, didn't that's really right. want it. You know, that's right. And when he sold it, he sold it really at a loss. You know, to what he what he would have gotten initially. So. It's a, it's a problem for the industry. I mean, we're, we've taken a lot of activity and actions on state and federal level to 
make sure that courts and judges get involved in some of those sales decisions of those annuities. And some of that's being cleaned up a bit. But you're right. That, that is an issue yeah, that needs to be dealt with. Yeah, there, there are people who prey on it. It's not the structure. The structure is a great idea. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, like anything, I guess. It, you know, Bob, it's interesting. I noticed you mentioned the word uh, you need to have patience and waiting for your structured settlement payments may be perceived as patience. And in, in the case you just mentioned with the police officer, he he must have lost his patience and had this need to have money immediately. Yeah, I, I don't know the details, but it was very disappointing to hear about. You know, normally those, those impatient Moments come at about three in the morning when they're watching late night TV and the and the ad right. comes on, you know, and they that's right. It's it's a, it's one of those, you know, weak moments where they where they do that. But you know, I, I'm very pleased. You know, in in your past, I've known you've been an advocate of structured settlements. I think you like to you want to protect your clients, and uh, I know Joan has worked with you on some of those kinds of cases as well. So we appreciate that, and I know uh, you'll be doing it in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keep in touch. <laughs> Absolutely. We will yeah. do that. Well, listen, uh, Bob, if someone wanted to get in touch with you to uh, help them out in, in this uh, realm of uh, litigation, arbitration, ADR, etc., how would they get in touch with you? Well, I'm, I'm pretty easy to reach. Bob Flynn at Flynn Law Firm in Wellesley, Massachusetts, 781-239-1005. Or um, the Internet would be Bob at Flynn Law Firm. Excellent. And Joan, how about yourself? How would people reach you? Mine would be through uh, email at jpagnano, which is P-A-G-N-A-N-O, at ringlerassociates.com, or the telephone number is 781-830-1010. That's great. And uh, all of you out there, if you want to reach any of the Ringler Associates around the country, ringlerassociates.com, the website is uh, really a good one. Go on there. there are, there's a lot of information uh, about mediation, ADR, and the things that we talked about today with our special guest, Bob Flynn. And, Bob, again, my, our pleasure to have you here, and thanks a lot for your help. Oh, I've appreciated it. It's been an honor. Great. Thanks, well, Bob. Super. Larry, bye-bye. Thank you. And the rest of you out there, go on and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates, experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Ringler Radio is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network.